Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. It's great to have you here with me for a Friday, March 10th, 2023. This is edition number 45 of season 8. We have been studying um, very slowly, but studying nonetheless the Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, Today we continue in chapter 8 in which we are dealing with the subject of Christ the Mediator. We're going to look at the first half of paragraph 2 of this 8th chapter together this morning. Let's pray together and then we'll consider the second second paragraph of chapter 8. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word now and we continue in our study of your beloved Son, uh, the second person of the divine Godhead, he who took upon himself flesh that he might rescue his people from their sins. We pray that you would bless us in this study, in this time, in this effort and labor, that you would be gracious to us in all that we do. Forgive us for our sins, Father, and help us now to walk humbly with you, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, we come to paragraph number two. We have uh, spent a couple editions now looking at paragraph number one, in which we uh, note there that Christ is indeed the mediator between God and man. He is indeed the only mediator between God and men, as Paul uh, very plainly tells Timothy in um, 1 Timothy chapter 2. He is the prophet, the priest, and the king, the heir of all things and judge of the world. And he is the one to whom was given in eternity past a seed that he would come and redeem through his work of mediation, through his work of the incarnation, he who took upon himself flesh that he might rescue men and women, boys and girls, from their sin. And that's precisely what we take up now when we consider the nature and person of Christ in this second uh, paragraph. Let's uh, just read this second paragraph, and then we're only going to deal with the first half of it uh, together today. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 8, paragraph 2, the Son of God, the second person in the Trinity, being very and eternal God, of one substance and equal with the Father, did, when the fullness of time was come, take upon him man's nature, with all the essential properties and common infirmities thereof, yet without sin, being conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin Mary, of her substance, so that two whole, perfect, and distinct natures, the Godhead and the manhood, were inseparably joined together in one person, without conversion, composition, or confusion. Which person is very God and very man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and man? So there's a number of items here in particular that we're going to consider, three in in specific nature as we consider this second paragraph dealing with our Lord Jesus Christ. We note there right away in the very opening lines of the second paragraph that the Son of God, the second person in the Trinity, being very and eternal God of one substance and equal with the Father, did, when the fullness of time was come, take upon him man's nature. What we have here is an expression of what occurred at the Incarnation. Now, we have to be very careful here when we're dealing with the Lord Jesus Christ that we do not place so much emphasis on his deity that we forget that he also was a man. At the same time, we cannot place so much emphasis on his humanity 
that we forget that he was God. He is the God-man. And the confession goes out of its way to make that very clear in the opening phrase, the second person in the Trinity being very and eternal God. Now, this has been the position of the historic Christian faith going all the way back to the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and so forth. This has always been the position of historic Christianity, that the Lord Jesus Christ is indeed God, the second person of the divine Godhead, He being very and eternal God. And so any position that teaches or tries to argue that Christ is somehow a created being, perhaps the first of God's created order, uh, that he had some uh, point of beginning, um, is less than God, is frankly uh, heretical. It's a cult typically, and we see that expressed in various cults of our world today, in the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons and others, who would deny the reality that the Lord Jesus Christ is indeed the God of heaven. And John chapter 1 makes this very clear, now doesn't it? John 1, 1, in the word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now if we jump down to verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So if you're wondering, well, who is this word that our Bible translations will capitalize the word. It's the Greek word logos, but it's capitalized in your English Bibles or in some translations of the English. Um, it's capitalized with that capital W. But who is the word? And the word is indeed the one who became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so, it is quite clear here that the Apostle John wants us to know that the Lord Jesus Christ, who dwelt amongst men, was indeed a member of the divine Godhead. He was God himself. He was the second person, even as the confession very clearly tells us. But not only is he very an eternal God of one substance and equal with the Father, he came and took to himself man's nature. Now, uh, this leads to a, a host of discussions in which this devotional really doesn't have time to deal with, but let me just uh, say, for uh, simplicity's sake, uh, the very words that the Apostle Paul gives to us in Philippians chapter 2. Um, really probably should back up to verse 5, but, well, let's just start in verse 5. Philippians 2, verse 5, "...had this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God..." did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Now here, Paul is referencing not only the physical appearance of men, that is to say, he looked like a man, walked like a man, talked like a man. Prior to his incarnation, he was pure spirit. He added to himself humanity. And as the uh, confession plainly tells us it, it, he added these things to himself. He took to himself man's nature with all the essential properties and common infirmities thereof. But there's a qualifier here, and it's a very important qualifier, yet without um, sin. Now, what does it mean that he had the essential properties and common infirmities? Well, it means that the Lord Jesus Christ in his human nature, in his earthly ministry, got hungry. 
weary and tired. He was a creature of emotion. He cried, he wept, he was grieved, even angry at times with the sinful behavior of men. He was able to empathize and sympathize with others because of who he was and what he took to himself. Um, he, um, he lived, he grew old, and indeed he did die. And many other essential properties and common infirmities that you and I wrestle with. He was tempted even as we are tempted, yet he did not have a sin nature. Now this is very important. For if he had a sin nature, he could not be our Savior. He himself would need a Savior. And this is why the Confession makes reference to the fact that he was conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin Mary of her substance. In other words, he had and carried the DNA of Mary. If, we were to, uh, if they were, it was possible in those days to look at his DNA, they would see that it would be traced back to her. Of course, not traced back to Joseph because he was not his father. He was a stepfather, as it were. But he was truly man. And, but he, was, he came into this world in a unique way, in a way in which the confession in paragraph 2 highlights for us, underscores the womb of the Virgin Mary. She had known no man before. And so she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This is a supernatural act of God that he might protect the Son from inheriting original sin. And so therefore he did not. Though he had all the common infirmities and essential properties, those were not uh, burdened uh, with sin. Now this means, of course, that he could then be our Savior. He could rescue sinners from themselves. Theologians refer to this as the doctrine of impeccability, uh, that he had no sin and he could not uh, sin. Let's look at a couple more verses just uh, to underscore this point a little bit further. Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 14 through 17. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, that is Christ, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. So it was necessary, in fact, essential that he was a man and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not to angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And then turning over to chapter 4 and, verses 15, and verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so we have here a very essential and, and critical understanding of the person and nature of the Lord Jesus Christ as the God-man. Born of a virgin, even as Luke tells us in Luke chapter 1, in verse uh, 27, uh, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Then looking at verse 31, then we have uh, here, uh, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And then verse 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child uh, to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. 
And so what, what does this mean for us practically? Well, it, very simply, it, it means first that as the God-man, he is able to rescue us from our sin, even as the writer to the Hebrews tells us. Without this uh, protected nature, without him being truly and eternally God, he would not be able to save us. Second, because he is like us in every respect, yet without sin, he is able to sympathize with our weaknesses and our struggles. He alone knows and understands, friends, he knows the burdens that you carry. He understands the sorrow. He understands the weight of this world. He understands the temptations of Satan. He understands all of the hardships that come because of sin entering into this world and into this universe. He is able to sympathize with his people. And as the writer of the Hebrews tells us, because this is true, because these things are true, we can, draw, we can then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so as you have need, as you have struggles, as you have various things that happen to you in this life, you only need to look to Christ. You only need to look to Him. You need to look to the one who understands your condition and, and has come to rescue you from that condition. He is the one who looked over Jerusalem and wept. He is the one who cried at the tomb of Lazarus when his friend was dead. He is the one to whom he offered his life a ransom for many. It is this one, the God of heaven, the second person in the Trinity, who took to himself your flesh, my flesh, yet without sin, that he might rescue us from the misery of this fallen world. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Monday edition, when we continue looking at this paragraph, the second paragraph of chapter 8, may the Lord help you today. May you walk in His ways. God bless.